wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So this is the only daily Royals podcast, the fastest growing Royals podcast, and I appreciate every single one of you listening today. On today's show, we're going to talk about a tweet that the Kansas City Royals put out and also going to debut the first ever Locked On Royals Hall of Shame. But first, I want to talk to you about our good friends over at Withings. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you have not met the right one yet. A company called Withings produced the world's first ever smart scale, and they're still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale in 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings Smart Scales are known for their durability and their exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every WAN syncs automatically to their free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. A lot of Smart Scales do not have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But with Withings Body Plus, it gives your full weight, body composition, and your weight trends, and even a local weather report right on the scale. The scale can support up to 8 users and even know which user is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, that's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off. Again, that's withings.com backslash MLB for 25% off your Withings Body Plus scale. So the Kansas City Royals put out a tweet the other day posing two all-time teams against one another and I want to take the time today with no baseball and no real baseball news as we spent last week intensively covering the agreement between the Major League Baseball and their Player Association last week on Monday, Thursday, and Friday so you can go back and listen to that if you want to catch up on what's happening around baseball on what kind of deals are being made and the contingency plans for this coronavirus delayed season. So let's have a little bit of fun today and talk first about this tweet. Again, the official Royals Twitter account put out uh, two teams of all-time players and basically asked who would win the game. Let's start with Team 1. Behind the plate, you got Salvador Perez. At first base, you have Mike Sweeney. At second base, you have Frank White. At third base, you have Mike Moustakis. Shortstop is Freddie Patek. Left field is Bo Jackson. Amos Otis in center field and Al Cohen's in right field, along with Hal McRae at DH. Your starting pitcher, Brett Saberhagen, relief pitcher, Jeff Montgomery. Daryl Porter behind the plate for Team 2, Eric Hosmer at first for Team 2, Whit Merrifield at second, George Brett at third, Alcides Escobar at shortstop, Alex Gordon left, Willie Wilson in center field, Jermaine Dye in right, Jorge Soler at DH, and Kevin Apier 
is your starter with your reliever being Dan Quisenberry. I don't really see this as a competition. I think that Team 1 is far and away the best team, and that Team 2 would get absolutely destroyed in any sort of baseball contest. Let's start with the starting pitchers. I'm taking Saberhagen 10 times out of 10. The relief pitcher, you can you can debate this one more so than you can the starters, I think, between Quisenberry and Montgomery. For my money, I'm taking Montgomery, and then also considering the fact of the wide separation between the starters, I'm going to take Team 1 in that category as well and take Jeff Montgomery. You go down at catcher, Daryl Porter, Salvador Perez, there's a, a lot to be said for this, and it really just comes down to your generation. I'll give the slight edge to Salvador Perez because of recency bias, but if you're going to take Daryl Porter there, I have no uh, I have no issues with that at all. At first base, I'm taking Mike Sweeney because he was simply the better ball player. He's a better hitter. He was a good enough fielder. Eric Cosmar's a bit overrated as a fielder. If you actually look at the advanced metrics and actually, you know, go off of of true determining of, of how you can be a good fielder, Eric Cosmar has the gold glove. Eric Cosmar has the, the look of a good ball player. He was a good ball player, but Mike Sweeney's still better. There's no shot at Eric Cosmer. Eric Cosmer deserves to be on this list for sure. He's he's the top he's one of the top two first basemen in Rose history. But I'm still going to go with Mike Sweeney. As far as Whit Merrifield or Frank White, obviously you're taking Frank White. I mean, Frank White is a Hall of Famer. He has his jersey retired. Whit Merrifield's not even going to come close to that on any team and in any category. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He's not going to have his jersey retired unless he plays in Kansas City for 20 years or signs with a new team and plays there for 20 years. He, he's he's a good ball player. He's a very versatile ball player. He's a, a, a very solid ball player. He's not in all-time great the way Frank White was. This one is clearly going to go to Team 1 as well. Third base, Team 2 gets their first victory with George Brett. I love Mike Moustakis. I love the power. But, I mean, what else can you say about George Brett? He is going to be a the, the best player in Royals history. He is the best player in Royals history, and no one's going to side against him. Uh, Freddy Patek and Alcides Escobar, I'm going to go with Patek here. I just don't really care about the shortstop matchup. I particularly do not like Alcides Escobar and think that he got vastly overrated as well during those playoff runs. So I'll start with Team 1 here as well. Bo Jackson over Alex Gordon is easy. Bo Jackson, without the injury, could have been the best ball, uh, baseball player the Royals ever had uh, and one of the best players to ever play the game. He was that good and that electric. I'm going to take in their prime, which is the stipulation here. By the way, from the Royals, is all these players are in their prime. I'm going to get in their prime Bo Jackson well, well, well above Alex Gordon. Uh, Amy Soldis and Willie Wilson, I like Wilson better, so I'll side there, but still, it's that's only like the second win that Team 2 has had uh, throughout this whole thing. Jermaine Dye, now Cohen's again, I like Jermaine Dye here, just personal preference, so I'll go ahead and give Team 2 the nod there. But I've got to go with Hal McCray after all, all I've read about him and the stats that you look at, and you know, secondhand hearing the kind of player he was, he's far and away better than just one good season from Jorge Soler. And he played in an era where it's not easy to compare to today's game, but I know the home run record for Soler. I know the home run uh, tear he went on last year. It's a totally different ball game that we're playing, you know, uh, in 2020 and 2019 than we were back then. And Jorge Soler played in a season that everyone was hitting home runs at a monster rate. So I'll side with Hal McRae there. I think he's a better overall player. Uh, and that leads Team 1 with a very, very disparaging victory and a very, very, very good win there. I think Team 1 is a far and away better team. I don't think they did a very good job balancing this, although I will say 
it's not as easy as making two balanced all-time teams as it would be for, say, the Yankees. I mean, we're talking about the Royals after all. It is kind of difficult to (laughs) spread out the wealth of good players between two full lineups. Uh, But again, I'm going to go with team one here. Uh, Some notable people left off, of course. If you look through the comment section, people are going to talk about Wade Davis and uh, Greg Hall and things like that. Uh, You know, you can make a case for there being a team three, but it would really just be Billy Butler being left off, Zach Grinke being left off, and then, of course, Wade Davis, Herrera, and guys like that. I guess you can say Carlos Beltran as well, but I think that they got the the teams right. I think that they got the the players that they gave uh, on these lists right. Uh, at the end of the day, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. There's always going to be people left off. But again, I think that the, the, the names are right. The names are, are there, but it's just hard to balance it, and it's not very balanced. I think that Team 1 wins 10 times out of 10, and they win by a very, very wide margin. So after the break, we'll have our first ever Locked On Royals Hall of Shame. So we're back here on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And that is very important to follow me on Twitter. And let me know what you want me to talk about for the next few months here as we wait the start of sports being back because I'm trying to keep the show daily, trying to keep pumping out episodes, but... We're, we're, we're lacking on things to talk about here, uh, especially relative to today. We can, of course, go back and rewatch old games. I know Friday uh, the MLB YouTube page will be live streaming the AL wildcard game from 2014. If that interests any of you, we can go back and watch that game and react to that. We can watch baseball movies and things like that, but just let me know what you guys are interested in. That way I'm putting out the best content that you guys actually want to listen to. So that is, again, at Ryland underscore Styles, at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So I want to do the first ever Royals Hall of Shame for the Locked On Royals podcast. And so the Hall of Shame is going to be people. It can be, you know, of course, players. It can be events. It can be games. Uh, It can be anything. But for the first ballot, it will only be players. So here's what's going to happen. After I read off all these names... I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter when this show goes live on the Locked On Royals Twitter account. So that'll be at Locked On Royals. You can go over there, give that Twitter account a follow as well, and also vote in this poll. The poll will have uh, these names on there. And I'm going to go ahead and put one in there myself without any input from any of you. And then you'll vote on the rest. So here's what's going to happen. Whenever I put that poll up, we're going to take the top two vote getters. They're also going to be inducted. So the first class will have three people on it of these five names. That'll be the, that'll be the very first ever class inducted into the Lockdown Royals Hall of Shame. So let's start with who I picked to put in there. I picked Gilmesh. He's absolutely a first ballot Hall of Shamer for the Kansas City Royals. Now, he does get a bit of credit for retiring instead of collecting uh, paychecks that he, quote, didn't earn with his terrible play. But he was an awful ball player for Kansas City and deserves to be in the Hall of Shame. And notably, that contract also deserves to be in the Royals Hall of Shame. The Royals finally go out and sign a a starting pitcher to a five-year deal worth $55 million dollars which was the highest contract given out until, of course, the Royals signed Alex Gordon. 
uh, to a four-year $72 million deal back in 2016. But I will say that, of course, Gilmash does get the pass for actually retiring and not collecting all of that money. But that still belongs in the Hall of Shame because everyone knows the story. Gilmash goes out, gives up a home run per nine innings in his tenure with Kansas City, gives up a 4.27 ERA in his tenure with Kansas City. And he was someone who fans were really excited about because, again, it was the first time and that, that the Royals really spent money and that the Royals gave out a huge contract, obviously the biggest contract in Royals history, uh, up until Alex, Alex Gordon. Uh, so I think he deserves to be in there. He seems like a good guy, though. But this is, of course, just the baseball aspect of things for the Locked On Royals Hall of Shame. So here's where you come in. These next names I list off are going to be put on a Twitter poll again, and the top two vote-getters will be inducted into the Lockdown Royals Hall of Shame, and we'll go from there. This is the first ballot. We'll do this every single year on the Lockdown Royals podcast. Coming in at number one on the ballot is Keila Kaihui. 87 games for the Royals, a 216 batting average, a 309 OBP, and a 638 OPS. He was one of the guys that people were excited about in the farm system. He never panned out at any level of of professional baseball. He was never a good ball player. I didn't buy into the hype from him, especially having watched him in the minor leagues and how he carried himself, uh, you know, with not only the fans, but also on the field, how he carried himself. I never particularly liked the guy. Uh, He was a, a a simply bad ball player. There's no other way to put it. And I think that he deserves a spot in the Hall of Shame. And he's the guy that's played the least amount of games for the Royals, though. So I understand if he does not get uh, any of the top votes, or at least the top two votes in this poll. Coming in at number two on your ballot is John Buck. He played 589 games, excuse me, 584 games for the Kansas City Royals with a 235 average and a 298 OBP and a 704 OPS. Woof. I mean, do you remember the lineups that had John Buck trotting out there every single day? It really makes you appreciate the likes of Salvador Perez, doesn't it? That's that's all I have to say about John Buck. And then number four, who I think is going to be a runaway winner in this whole thing, given the the perception of him and, and the, the way that fans vote for him, is Omar Infante. Despite almost getting him in the All-Star game uh, in 2015, Omar Infante has to be on this list. 298 games played for the Royals, a 238 average, a 597 OPS, and the darkest spot, the darkest spot for the Kansas City Royals' most gorgeous and beautiful tenure in my lifetime. The best run of Royals baseball in my lifetime was at its darkest whenever Omar Infante went up to the plate. An automatic out, a not particularly good fielder. I mean, he was fine, but he wasn't elite by which which we once thought that he would be. We once thought that he would be a top-tier defender. So he really did nothing well. He just kind of hung around. And what a happy day that was when Ben Zobers took over at second base for Omar Infante. And the last person on the ballot for the first ballot of the Royals Lock, of the Lockdown Royals Hall of Shame is Yoneski Betancourt. He played 279 games for the Royals with a batting average of 248 and an OBP of 276, and he was just awful. And it was even a different kind of awful because not only was he a bad player, but it wasn't a Chris Getz type of thing, which 
spoiler alert, will be on the second ballot. But it wasn't a Chris Getz or Chris Owens kind of thing where you didn't have any hope for them. You didn't really see any upside with them. They were just bad players. You saw a ton of upside in, in Yoneski Betancourt. And he seemed to have all the tools to be a good ball player at every stop he went. But he just could not put it all together for whatever the reason. He could not just get it right and put it all together and become a good ball player that we all thought he could be. So I just do not I just do not get Yonaski Betancourt's career because again, he was a talented baseball player that just could not pan out. Now you're always talented if you can get to the majors, but he could have been borderline all-star caliber if he could have lived up to the hype. And you can't say that about a lot of guys on this list. I mean, no one had a ton of hope for uh, for John Buck. Nobody had a ton of hope for Keila Kaihui. But Yoneski Betancourt really could have been very good, and it just seemed like he didn't he didn't care, which obviously he did care, but it just seems that way, and that's why it was so frustrating to watch him. So again, your ballot to vote on the Locked On Royals Twitter page is Keila Kaihui, John Buck, Omar Infante, and Yoneski Betancourt, the top two vote-getters, are inducted along with Gil Mesh into the first ever, the first ballot of the Locked On Royals Hall of Shame. So that will conclude the Locked On Royals podcast for today, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. If you want to be a part of the Locked On Royals Fantasy Baseball League, it'll be an ESPN league. I've already gotten some spots filled, but we still have spots available. If you want to be a part of that, we'll start it whenever we do have an opening day date. So we won't start the draft or do anything like that until we know when opening day is. If you want to be a part of that, go ahead and follow me on Twitter and shoot me a DM at Ryland underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, then email the show, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. You can also email the show your questions, comments, concerns, or topics that you want to hear me discuss. Thank you all for listening again. The support even in these trying times, has been overwhelming. I appreciate every single one of you listening to the Lockdown Royals podcast. Be good and be good to one another, and I'll see you tomorrow right here on the Lockdown Royals podcast.